Will you open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John? The Gospel of John. We're going to begin our reading at verse 18 of the 13th chapter and read the first seven verses of chapter 14. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me have lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I sinned, receiveth me. And he that receiveth me, receiveth him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit, and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. And he, he then lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is, he it is, to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him, for some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come, so now I say unto you. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, and that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. 
Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. So far the reading of God's word is especially verse 1, but also then verses 2 and 3, but especially verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. In John chapter 14, we have the beginning of what is called the Upper Room Discourse. And it is a discourse where Jesus shows tenderness and his depth and comprehensiveness is unsurpassed in all the scriptures. We read in chapter 13 that he is troubled inside of himself but now he reaches out in his love to his disciples who are also troubled. The circumstances were dire. What Christ does here, beloved, is probably the closest I can come in nature would be the setting sun in the west. Glorious sun in all of its brilliance, bright red, with dark clouds on the horizon and a storm coming up. That is a good way to describe Christ's discourse with his disciples, even while his own heart is troubled and his disciples' heart is troubled. What a sight we have there in the perfections of our Savior, his strength of mind, but also the kindness of his heart. Yes, the Lord had his mind occupied. There was an uncontrollable agitation in his heart. He was occupied with the sufferings that lay before him. Is Jesus now able to enter in and to soothe the sorrows of his disciples also? 
And the answer is yes. Yes. Completely aware of exactly what awaited him, feeling the awful weight of that load laid upon him. Where he's going to taste the bitter cup of God's wrath and curse in our place. He takes interest in the hearts of his disciples. Instead of just continuing to brood on what lay ahead of him, he spent his time comforting them. So that's why I've entitled this verse, Comforting Words for Troubled Hearts. We're going to first of all look at those troubled hearts. What does that mean? And then the injunction of Jesus... And then thirdly, the reasons why they should not be troubled and you and I should not be troubled. Troubled hearts. What are you, what am I going to do in the day of great trouble? That's not an idle question. While we might like to, like not whereas we might not like to think about those days, there are many disappointments in our life, troubles in our life. Disappointment is a trouble, isn't it? And we have many of them. There can be, first of all, disappointments with ourselves. For we're not always able to be all that we want to be. We want to be strong, but we're weak. We want to be successful, but instead we experience failures. We want to be liked, but often people are at best indifferent to us or even hostile to us or mean. We are often disappointed not only in ourselves, but in other people. It might be your husband, it might be your wife, it might be your children, it might be your parents, it might be your friend, it might be your employer, but often people fail us. And circumstances are often also a source of troubles. Maybe the loss of a job, maybe the loss of a loved one. Those things are beyond our control, aren't they? They're devastating to us. It might be sickness. It might be uncertainty about the future. I'm sure that there are those, even here, who are very disappointed in what classes did this past week. They were hoping maybe that through a third party we could bring an end to this horrible thing of abuse in the church or abuse by those in places of authority disappointed, frustrated, perhaps even angry. What is the answer for these troubles? What do we do with our despair or anger? We are to get a hold of ourselves first. And then we are to overcome that trouble by remaining, reminding ourselves of the power and the promise of God and trusting in Him. 
get a hold of ourselves, remind ourselves, dwell on the power and the promise of God trusting in him. And that's what our text, verse 1, is all about. It's a call to become a strong Christian. Not those who are weeping and wailing and filled with self-pity, but be strong in faith and then be a source of strength to others. Our text, let not your heart be troubled. What are some of the causes to be, trust, uh, to be troubled? What were they for Jesus' disciples there? It seemed to them suddenly that all their hopes and all their dreams were coming to an end, crumbling underneath them. As disciples, they had listened to Jesus' teachings. They had closely observed him. They admired him, and they even worshipped him. Repeatedly, they had heard statements from his lips concerning his coming suffering and death and how that must have perplexed them. What is he doing? Is he teaching a parable? We shouldn't understand that literally, should we? That he's going to suffer and die? Wasn't Jesus going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were fully convinced that he was the Messiah. Listen to those two disciples on the way to Emmaus on that resurrection morning. But we trusted, notice that's past tense, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. For those two disciples on the way to Emmaus, their hope was gone. As far as they knew, Jesus was dead. And that's the way these disciples in the upper room are also listening to Jesus and their hopes are being dashed. After Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, they heard Jesus speak of himself as a corn of wheat which must fall into the ground and die. What does Jesus say a little later? Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. Yet a little while, he says to the disciples, I'm with you. Whither I go, ye cannot come. What anxiety, what sorrow. Christ is speaking about death. And parting with him was unbearable to them. These were the three best years of their life. And now one of them is going to betray him. Another one is going to deny him. And all of them are going to forsake him. Troubled hearts. And therefore Jesus proceeds to comfort them. They had reason to be troubled. You and I at times also have that reason because Jesus is speaking in our text to us, not just the 11. And when we're being troubled with the many trials of our lives, 
Jesus speaks these same words to you and to me, soothing words, words that we need to hear, words that contain a wealth of beautiful, profound comfort. But notice, Jesus doesn't just say, don't be troubled. But Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. To have a troubled heart is to be in the grip of a deep distress. Nothing looks bright. All of our lives here on this earth, there will be the everyday trials and troubles. And by the grace of the Lord, we can contend with those, continue to live here in the world and fulfill our callings whether it be in the home, whether it be in the school, whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in the state, whether it be in the church. But when the heart is troubled, then everything is troubled. Because the heart is the center of your and my being. It's from the heart that our thoughts proceed. The heart is the emotional center of a person. We think and we feel with our hearts such emotions as love, fear, anger, bitterness. Oh yes, the heart determines our motives and our deeds. Solomon writes in Proverbs 4 verse 23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What is the state, beloved, of your and my heart? The heart of Jesus' disciples was troubled. Troubled just like, as I used this morning, that illustration of that boat on the Sea of Galilee when the waves are whipping over the boat and the wind is blowing. And the disciples cry out, Master, carest thou not that we perish? The hearts of Jesus' disciples were troubled. And Jesus could see that state of his disciples' hearts. Jesus knew their thoughts and how he cared for them. Jesus took in himself their fears and their sorrows. What a sympathetic high priest. And beloved, our Savior has not changed. Now at the right hand of God, as he governs the whole universe, he never forgets any of his people. But he bears our burdens, he understands our sorrows, and he sympathizes with us. So as the cross is looming right in front of him, the very next day he's going to die, Jesus takes this time now to comfort his disciples. Notice, they do not comfort Jesus in his trouble, but Jesus comforts them. No one can enter into the work that Jesus is going to do, but Jesus gives himself into the lives of his disciples. Troubles of Jesus were greater than the troubles of the disciples. He would be arrested. He would be tried. 
He would be condemned and he would be crucified at the hands of wicked men. Yes, Jesus would suffer not only with men, but Jesus would suffer the wrath and the curse of God. And that all will be traumatic for the disciples, but it's much worse, of course, for Jesus. And yet Jesus is more concerned about the troubled hearts of his disciples than his own sorrows. Do you see it, beloved? Do you see that there is room in his large heart? Room in his heart for the disciples' sorrows. Room in God's heart for your and my sorrows, troubles, and fears. What soothing words to the disciples and to us. Let not your hearts be troubled. And what is the answer? How do we not let the troubles in our life get the best part of us so that we enter into deep distress? And that's the last part of verse 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. That is the command, that is the injunction of the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, commentators differ radically on that part of verse 1. Why? Because the Greek verb for believing is the very same in the indicative mood as the imperative mood. What are those things? The indicative mood is just stating facts. The imperative mood is a command. So which is it? You see, there's four different scenarios here. It could be a double command. Both of them imperative. Believe in God and believe also in me. It could be that they're both in the indicative mood. In other words, you believe in God you believe also in me. It could be one is indicative and the other was imperative. So, believe in God because you believe in me. Or finally, it could be you do believe in God. Now believe also in me and the very context here would be the last one. They do believe in God. These were believers. And they do confess that Jesus is the Messiah earlier, but now some doubts are entering into their mind. I thought he was going to establish his kingdom, and, and instead he keeps on talking about dying at the hands of the Jews. You believe in God. Let not your heart be troubled, for my Father in heaven is possessed with infinite power and wisdom and goodness. My God in heaven will work all things together for good. He's on the throne. Nothing can stay God's hand, can it? As the psalmist says in Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Don't be afraid then. Don't be afraid, says the psalmist, though the earth be removed, though mountains be carried into the sea, the waters roar and be troubled, 
the mountains shake and the swelling thereof. The psalmist takes some of the greatest acts in nature, devastating things, but he says, I will not fear. I will not fear because God is a very present help in trouble. When those trials come into our life so fast and hard, though Satan may roar and rage, if God be for us, who can be against us? Yes, you believe in God. You believe in his absolute sovereignty. You believe in his infinite wisdom. You believe in his unchanging faithfulness. You believe in his wondrous love. Now Jesus is saying to them, as you believe in God, now also you believe in me. Do this. Believe in me, even though outwardly it looks like a lost cause, it is a good cause, a triumphant cause. I go to the cross, and I die for your sins, and you will arise from your sins and be justified. Believe also in me, because I am the one who ever liveth to make intersection for you. Believe in me because I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believe in me because I am the one who's going to come again to receive you to myself. Believe in me because I will be with you forever. That's the injunction for troubled hearts. Believe as we believe in God we are also then to believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who has been in their midst for three years, with whom they had intimate communion, is going to be gone, is going to be removed. As you believe in God who is invisible, as you believe in his hand that guides you in all that you do. Jesus says, now believe in the same way in me. I too will be invisible from you. I'm going to go to the cross. I am going to be raised again and I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to be in heaven. But even though I'm invisible, believe in me also. That comfort that comes to those disciples, beloved, comes to us. That's the faith that we have to live. Whether it be the trouble of a disobedient child who runs away from the church, whether it is the trouble of an unfaithful spouse, whether it's a lingering illness that you have to deal with, believe on him who is that sympathetic high priest in heaven for you. 1 Peter 1 verse 8, Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom though you not see, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because you are full of the knowledge of Christ's existence. His love. His care. 
It's that faith that you and I are called to live in our life. You believe in God. Believe also in me. As you see me taken, whipped, nailed to the cross, taken down from the cross and laid in a sepulcher, believe also in me. And beloved, verse 1 is a beautiful verse there because what shines through there is the deity of Jesus Christ. That's what his statement is saying. You believe in God, therefore believe also in me. I am the Son of God in human nature and my divine nature. I come into this world to die for you. If Jesus was not God, then these statements would be blasphemous. He's saying, believe in me. That belief is only in God, isn't it? Think a moment of our Apostles' Creed. We say, I believe in God the Father, and in Jesus Christ his Son, and in the Holy Spirit. But notice, we do not say, I believe in the church. We believe that there is a holy, universal church. But we do not say we believe in the church. Because the church has failures at times. Think of the Roman Catholic Church. We would all be Roman Catholics if we believed in the church. The church says it, therefore it's got to be right. We don't believe in ministers or in elders or in deacons or in husbands or in wives or in children or in parents. They all may fail us at one time or another because they are human and they are sinful. We believe only in God and his son, Jesus Christ. Your God, your Redeemer, your Savior and your Lord. Let not your hearts be troubled. How do I do that? By believing in God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And now, listen with me as the last point. There's five different reasons not to continue to be troubled within. Let not your heart be troubled, first of all, because we know that Jesus is God. And as God, he knows us and he knows all about us and all about our circumstances. And he is able to deal with those. There is every reason for us to trust him. Look, Jesus says, I know you trust God. Now trust me also precisely in those same circumstances. Believe that I know what I am doing. That I am going to go away for a purpose. And that purpose will be accomplished. I go away in order to suffer and die for your sins. And I go away then eventually after another 40 days in order to be in heaven and receive the Spirit and pour it out. The disciples knew Jesus. 
and they knew they had every reason to trust in him. And so do you and I. In fact, you and I have even more reason to trust in Jesus than the disciples did because we know the rest of the story. They were sitting on that side of the cross and all they could see was the dark night of the cross of Jesus Christ. We are able to look back and we see the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus into heaven where he rules and he cares for his church. Can Jesus be trusted with your troubles, with mine? Trust him. Come to him in your prayers and lay them out like King Hezekiah did when he was being told that the wicked armies were going to come against him. Or again, as he came before God in prayer when he was told to get his house in order and he did not have a son yet to rule in the reign. And so the line of David would come to an end. Christ has a purpose in all of these happenings in our lives also working it out for our spiritual good. So that's the reason. We let not our hearts be troubled because we know Jesus Christ, our wonderful Savior, and we can trust him. Second of all, we should not be troubled. Our hearts should not be troubled because there is a place being prepared for us in heaven. Jesus says, in my Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. The Father's house. There's all kinds of different names that we can give to heaven. It is that country of which we are citizens. It is that city with a multitude of inhabitants. It is a kingdom. That is, means there's orderliness in it. It's paradise. That is, means there's delights in it. But now Jesus uses to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled in my Father's house. God calls his house that tabernacle where his glory came down on. Or the temple in the Old Testament, Jesus came and said, make not my Father's house a den of robbers. And now Jesus uses that phrase, for heaven, in my Father's house. What a name for Christians to give to the place called heaven. In my Father's house, I'm loved, I'm cared for because I'm a son and I'm a daughter of God. Don't be troubled. In my Father's house, are many mansions. That word mansions means they're abiding places. Comforting term, isn't it? It shows the permanence of that place over against our earthly tabernacles that we are in for about, if at length, 70 or 80 or maybe even 90 years. But in my Father's house are these abiding places places, dwelling places, permanency. 
with ample room for all of his children. My father's house are many mansions. Now, beloved, Jesus has never deceived his disciples. Jesus doesn't deceive you or me either when he says this. He's witnessing the truth. Let not your hearts be troubled. Yes, there are trials and difficulties in this life, in our pilgrimage, but look, look ahead. My Father's house, and there's room there for me. A third reason, let not your hearts be troubled, because Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. How does Jesus do that? How does he prepare a place for us. What does it mean? And let's take the emphasis there on what Jesus is doing. I'm going to prepare a place. In the Old Testament there, the temple had to be purified, didn't it? By good sacrifices being offered to God. Up in heaven itself, there was sin, wasn't there? There was the rebellion of Satan. And now God has to prepare a place there, purify that place there for us, his children. Oh, the injury that sin has inflicted on us. Jesus enters into that sanctuary to reconcile everything with the virtues of his sacrifice. You see, Jesus has procured the right the right for you and me to be there. Old Satan came and he went up into heaven. He says, what's Moses doing here? Don't you remember how he struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock? What's he doing there? Satan is cast out, bringing no accusation. You and I have a right to that place because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And there is our forerunner. He goes ahead of us. He marches in and he plants his banner there in heaven. It's for us. He prepares us for that place. Just as the garden was first of all created by God, prepared for Adam and Eve. And as the land of Canaan there was prepared for the Israelites to enter with cities built, with wells dug, with orchards and fig trees and vineyards, Christ is preparing heaven for us and preparing us for heaven. That's the third reason. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because... I'm true because I, there are many rooms in the Father's house and I'm preparing a place for you. And then fourth and fifth, they go together. I will come again. Christ doesn't send for us, but what a glorious thought. Let not your hearts be troubled. How much does Christ care? Christ comes down from heaven with his angels to take us up to himself. And toward the end of the world, the dead in Christ will rise first before those who are already in heaven come down with Christ. 
I will come again and, fifthly, I will receive you unto myself. Notice Jesus didn't say, I'm going to take you to myself. He's going to receive us. Why is that? Because right now the Holy Spirit has charge of us, doesn't he? While Christ is in heaven, it is the Spirit of Christ that is working in our hearts and lives, preserving us in our faith. And finally, when Jesus comes again, the Holy Spirit gives us up to Christ Jesus and he receives us. Just like he received that dying thief on the cross. Today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. For where Christ is, there we also shall be. To enjoy unbroken fellowship with our God forever. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be overwhelmed with the troubles in this life on your pilgrimage. Don't become bitter or angry with those things and ask, why, God, why are you doing this to me? Humbly submit. You and I are sons and daughters of God here in this world, being shaped by our God, being prepared for our God, by our God, for the wonderful mansions, dwelling places, abiding places kept for us in heaven. So, what can we do when the world that we know kind of falls in on us? What can we do in our trials and our troubles? For one, believe, trust. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Second of all, have assurance. That is part of faith, isn't it? It's not only knowing about Christ and what he has done, but it is then the assurance that all the blessings that Christ has accrued for us on the cross are not only for others, but for me too. Forgiveness of sins the righteousness of God given to me and the hope of everlasting life. Assurance. The Father's house will be my eternal home and your eternal home. Thirdly, what can we do? Realize that Jesus has done and Jesus is doing everything to ensure our welcome there. Fourthly, be filled with then a blessed hope. He, Jesus Christ, is coming again. He is coming soon to receive us to himself. Cling to his promise. We will be with him forever. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank thee for this assurance 
and this comfort that Jesus gave to his troubled disciples. And just as he cared for those disciples, he cares for his disciples still today here in this world. We thank thee that as God, he knows our troubles and our trials, and he is a very sympathetic high priest. We thank thee, Father, for the promise he holds out to us, that there is a place called heaven, it is the Father's house, and we, his children, are going to go to him. And there is ample room for all of his sons and daughters there. Jesus is coming again. Comfort. Comfort our hearts in the midst of our trials and troubles. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to number 398. His great salvation they shall know who love the Lord's most holy name. Let's sing all three stanzas of 398.
peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen.